Today's show is sponsored by JumpCloud, introducing the JumpCloud directory platform, the directory reimagined for the modern world. JumpCloud changes the way IT administrators manage their organizations by providing a comprehensive and flexible cloud directory platform. From one pane of glass, manage user identities and resource access. Secure Mac, Windows, and Linux devices, and get a full view of your environment. Try JumpCloud for free today at jumpcloud.com and help your organization move to a modern, secure hybrid work model. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Getting towards the very end of the year, December of 2021, we've only got a couple of shows left. Uh, this week's show is going to be one that's always one of the most popular ones, sort of our recap, uh, review, analysis of the AWS reInvent conference, one of the biggest shows of the year, I guess maybe the biggest cloud show of the year, since we don't uh, necessarily cover uh, the Salesforce event. Uh, maybe we should. But uh, anyways, we're going to get to that one. We're going to do a little bit of cloud news of the week this week. Um, it's a little bit of interesting news, and then we will spend most of the time digging into cloud news of the week, because I know uh, this is always one that takes a little bit longer. There's always a lot of announcements. We do some analysis. But a couple of things for cloud news of the week before we get to the uh, reInvent analysis. Uh, first thing, uh, interesting report, uh, the top DevOps trends to watch in 2022. A couple of interesting things in here. It almost feels like um, all the DevOps sort of calm stuff, C-A-L-M-S stuff is sort of out. It's uh, very much about uh, DevSecOps, um, so sort of the you know shifting left of security, uh, serverless becoming more of a mainstream type of thing, um, some of the development uh, environments that are beginning to pop up to make Kubernetes easier to use. So some of those things that we've sort of talked about all the time, not necessarily as DevOps per se, but I think the DevOps uh, sort of movement is now like, well, um, you know, there's new technologies. We've sort of moved past some of the other things. Automation sort of baked into what people do. Uh, what's coming next? Next couple of things that we thought were interesting, um, FT, the FTC, the United States uh, Federal Trade Commission, um, is suing NVIDIA to try and preserve the status of ARM as neutral. So uh, NVIDIA obviously had made a huge uh, buy or trying to buy ARM, uh, about a $40 billion uh, acquisition, if I remember correctly. This was earlier in the year, and there's been a lot, a lot of pushback from um, different organizations, uh, especially government regulatory uh, organizations, because of how many companies are using ARM and, uh, you know, people have concerns about, you know, ARM was very much a very, very neutral sort of Switzerland uh, party in terms of allowing a lot of things to happen. Um, and so people have some concerns about it, you know, kind of falling into one company's ownership and, you know, what will that change? So normal sort of stuff that you expect to see, but interesting to see uh, the U.S. government. Uh, I know the U.K. government had been involved before. Uh, the U.S. government starting to be involved in potentially shaping the uh, the terms or the future of what NVIDIA and ARM might look like. So um, we don't have any legal insight in that, but it's sort of interesting to watch because uh, all it does is sort of begin to muck up the wheels in terms terms of any sort of approval for the uh, acquisition taking place. And the last thing, um, and we're just going to point to this sort of, we're not going to dive into it too much, but uh, you know, we had done a show about uh, the metaverse and Web3. Uh, there was an inter interesting presentation that was made by A16Z, the uh, venture capital injuries and Horowitz venture capital firm, uh, was made to U.S. lawmakers here just recently, maybe the last couple of weeks, uh, sort of an interesting presentation uh, as to how they talk about 
um, Web3 and uh, the importance of Web3. Now, obviously, keep in mind, um, you know, this is a venture capital firm. Uh, most venture capitalists these days are beginning to uh, start to move away from what we always considered <laughs> cloud and traditional infrastructure and all those sort of things. And, and very much a lot of them are really trying to get into Web3. So this is, this is uh, you know, them trying to, to push some agenda items, trying to get some regulatory things put in place. But it is an interesting insight into, you know, at the highest levels, how uh, you know, powerful money-driven things are trying to influence where the law is going, uh, but ultimately the internet uh, as it evolves and changes and and how that may impact all of us. So sort of an interesting uh, thing to sort of dive into, at least to sort of see behind the scenes, what are some of the things, the way that they're presenting them and so forth. So uh, worth taking a look at this week's Cloud News of the Week, um, just a couple things to dig into. So what we're going to do is we are going to take a break and we're after, after the break, we're going to come back and really dive into all things AWS reInvent. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog. Now with cloud security posture management, Datadog allows you to see compliance scores across your infrastructure and track conformance to industry benchmarks such as CIS and other regulatory standards, out-of-the-box cloud and infrastructure configuration rules. Datadog Cloud Security Posture Management, CSPM, performs configuration audits across cloud accounts, hosts, and containers. As a special offer for Cloudcast listeners, you can sign up for a free two-week trial to see for yourself how Datadog can elevate your cloud infrastructure security posture by going to datadog.com slash security dash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash security dash cloudcast. Sign up now and receive a free Datadog t-shirt. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to dig into, you know, the AWS reInvent, uh, the show, the week, the keynote. And I want, kind of want to go over a few basic things up front because this was a very interesting show um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, you know, it's 10th, 10th anniversary of reInvent. So always an interesting milestone. 10 years is a, is a long time to be doing anything Um you know, new leadership now in place for AWS. So, you know, a lot of things were going to be different this year. And then obviously you throw in the fact that, uh, you know, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, there's a lot going on. <clears throat> and so there's always a different vibe when you go from a show that used to have, I don't know, 50 or 75 or 100,000 people um, down to a smaller number. Now, um, you know, a lot of times we use the number of people that attend an event as kind of a, a benchmark or kind of a barometer, if you will, light, uh, you know, kind of an indicator of how popular things are. Maybe if, you know, we're starting to see a peak or plateau, but this year, um, you know, the fact that even 25,000 people showed up in the middle of a pandemic at an all indoor conference, um, I'm going to kind of write that off. I'm not really going to put much into it, but I do think it's interesting to sort of dive into kind of the messaging around keynotes and around conferences. Uh, I've been around them for a long time. I've helped uh, write a lot of keynotes. I've presented some, um, but uh, you know, I've, we, we've you know we've done a lot of analysis in the show over the years of kind of what messages come out of these things because these are really the opportunity for any given company to speak to their customers. It's the one week of the year or few days of the year when you get the complete attention of the media. And so it's really a chance for you to to shape whatever, you know, to get whatever message you want out, to have everybody's attention, to sort of shape the narrative as to where you think the future's going, um, kind of highlight the types of customers that you uh, think are best representative of what you do, but also to try and signal to the marketplace you know, these are the kind of interesting things that we can do with these customers. Think of what we could do with you, right? So there's a lot <clears throat> that goes on there, not, you know, beyond just the, uh, you know, however many press releases and new announcements and demos and trainings and all other things that go on there. 
So before we dive into kind of the announcements, and, and as with every year with AWS uh, reInvent uh, and throughout the year, there's, there's a whole lot of announcements. So we'll get into those. Uh, if you look in the show notes, there are links to kind of all of them. They're organized in all sorts of interesting ways. So we're not going to read through all of them as maybe we've done in past years because the list continues to get longer and longer. And not all of you are interested in all of them. So I don't want to kind of put you through that. But let's let's start with the first keynote. Uh, let's start with um, new CEO Adam Solipsky's keynote. So, you know, a couple of things right off the bat, uh, you know, normally, uh, at least towards the end, Andy Jassy was doing a three hour keynote. Uh, this was a two hour keynote. And, you know, you can read into that however you want. I think the reality is, um, if you if we went into reInvent, there was a lot of articles written about, you know, where is AWS going? Right. And, and I think this is a really interesting sort of thread to pull on because um, anytime you have leadership change, um, you know, as well as AWS is doing, uh, they're in first place by every metric that you look at in the cloud, although, you know, it's beginning to get closer with it with Azure and so forth. Um, you know, anytime that, that you go from one leader, uh, their style of doing things to something else, even though um, it's still Amazon and they still talk about their 12, 13, 14 principles, whatever it is, and all these things, um, we're still dealing with people here. And so, you know, going into it, it was very much what's the new leadership style? Uh, are there going to be new people involved? Is it the same people? Uh, but then there's also, you know, the opportunity for the new leader to really say, here's where I think it's going, right? Here's my read on the market. Here's my read on our strengths as a company, uh, what our customers demand of us. And this is where I think we're going. And so, you know, there was a lot before the show that was put out. And obviously, AWS, like every company, has uh, an extensive uh, PR organization that are out trying to shape this narrative. And one of the biggest narratives that was out there was, um, and this was, you know, put out there directly by Solipsky in a number of interviews, one with Jim Cramer and uh, with SiliconANGLE and a lot of different people, was, um, you know, we are going to move up the stack we're going to get more into vertical industries. Uh, we are going to try and uh, get more into sort of SaaS types of applications. You know, so there was talk about, um, you know, he didn't necessarily think that Amazon really had a, a huge play in kind of SaaS and so forth, even though they power a lot of the infrastructure for them. A lot of discussion about uh, them trying to get into specific vertical markets and so forth. And so you know, there was kind of this vibe given off ahead of time that that was going to be where things might be going. Those might be the new announcements, right? And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense for a number of reasons, right? Number one, um, AWS as a whole, uh, you know, regardless of how many services they have, they have a lot. And you can kind of go through every part of most customers' technology stacks and again, other than those areas that they talked about, sort of, you know, specific SaaS things or, you know, workplace productivity things or an ERP or something, they had sort of all of the things that you would want uh, in, in many cases, like lots of a lot of those things, right? So I think they talked about having, you know, 400 plus uh, compute instance types. They've got a dozen or so database uh, variants that are available, all these different types of things, different ways of doing storage. And so that made a lot of sense. And the the industry vertical thing makes a lot of sense too, because, you know, if you think about where you can have greater business level value added conversations with companies is going to be not just about, hey, I can provide you infrastructure for your builders and you can do whatever you want. I don't really know enough about your business, but I assume that your business is a lot like all these other businesses. So I'm going to provide you the building blocks. You can really start getting into, hey, how can we help the media industry? How can we help the automotive industry? How can we help financial services or insurance or healthcare or whatever it might be? And so, you know, there's there, there's opportunities to, um, you know, really get 
deeper, more embedded with your customers. Now, the downside of that is um, those become usually more one-off kind of things. They're a little harder to scale. They involve, you know, services organizations. So, you know, AWS as a whole has grown a ton, but they've matured enough. They have enough uh, in their offerings that, you know, was do we continue to make primitives or do we continue to, you know, look at move up the stack? So that was really sort of a pre-show question that was going to be really interesting to see how it was answered. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, there was the changing of the guard. You know, how will it be presented? What's the what's the vibe that comes out of the show? So let's kind of dive into it a little bit. Um, I think the the Andy Jassy approach to things was um, Andy was going to give us not all, but a really long list of the new announcements. Right? Andy kept it very much focused on what were the things, the actual services being delivered that uh, AWS was delivering. It was oftentimes very much presented, here's our stack, here's us moving up the stack, here's us broadening our stack. Um, And then there would be things sprinkled in that you were just like, oh, wow, that's really new. So when serverless came out, when, uh, you know, some of the AI and ML stuff came out, some of the, you know, just other things came out, you were like, wow, those are really incredible. This was structured, I think, and, and I think that fit Andy's personality. Um, this was presented much more in a storytelling way. And I think, <clears throat> you know, if, I, if we sort of look back at some of the ways that uh, Adam Slipsky presented himself prior to the show, he seems to be much more comfortable in sort of a storyteller mode, right? And every leader is a little bit different, right? And so this is, this is us adjust, adjusting to how things are. But he presented it much more in storyteller mode. So, you know, when we when we really dissect the the keynote, there was only about five or six, you know, less than 10 things that were announced. And he very much took this approach of talking about pathfinders, right? So uh, AWS previously, Werner and Andy Jassy had always been about builders. Um, Adam was really trying to talk about pathfinders. And so he used a lot of historical examples. Um, and then as he would weave these historical examples through the presentation, he would then talk about um, some new technologies that were coming out. Uh, and then he also, you know, he used some different customer references. That's not unusual. Andy used to bring people to to uh, the keynote for, for customer references. Uh, but he was very much trying to be much more about painting broader pictures, storytelling. And again, um, you know, some of that may have just been, you know, the disconnect between what they talked about in the press before. And now a lot of times what happens is, you know, your show comes up in November or December, whatever it might be, or whenever it is throughout the year, and you may not have all those things ready to go. And that's the, that's kind of the the benefit and the, and the downside of, of these conferences is if you've got something really big to announce and it's around the time when your conference starts, you can make the announcement. If it happens to be six months before or after, we well, sort of lose that thing. So I don't know if the storytelling will be his style forever. Um, maybe next year they've got more things they want to announce, but he really kind of kind of structured it around more storytelling, which I think is more his style. Uh, a little shorter keynote, two hours. I think part of that, um, you know, maybe it wasn't for lack of things they could announce. I mean, they could have gone on for three hours. I think part of it is a recognition that people, uh, you know, the majority of people are still going to be watching this online. Um, They don't want to necessarily sit there for three hours, right? You know, it's fine if you're there and then you're with other people and you can be social, but three hours online, maybe way too much. So I think they had to be conscious about that as well. So, um, but let's get into some of the things that he he did announce. Um, He announced, I'm going to kind of go through these in different order, and this is the the challenge of this thing. Uh, It was interesting. He sort of started with a very enterprisey approach. I think that was the other feel that you got from this show was it was a little less about, you know, hey, we are the innovation company. Look at how amazing our innovation is. And this was much more about, hey, um, 
you know, we're really good with the startups and the builders. Um, we still think there's a long way to go trying to help kind of enterprises, right? So the people they, they brought on stage were uh, NASDAQ, United Airlines, um, one of the 5G telco companies, I believe it was uh, Dish, um, and, uh, you know, a couple companies like that, 3M, so very enterprisey companies, right? They weren't bringing Netflix on stage. They weren't bringing Spotify on stage. And so it had much more of an enterprise feel to it. And it was interesting because, um, you know, the things they talked about were much more enterprise driven, right? So, um, you know, they did talk about some new innovation. They talked about something called Graviton version three. So Graviton is their ARM-based uh, compute offering. So not only did they talk about Graviton three, the next generation of Graviton, um, they like to mention in a number of places, hey, we're, we're using Graviton behind the scenes in a number of our services, especially their data services. And the way I think you read into that is, um, obviously, they're making a huge investment around Graviton. They've got a number of sort of chipsets that they they own and they developed. Um, so it sort of shows them they want to own the whole vertical stack. But I think it also, um, and and this wasn't really an announcement, but you kind of, if you if you've been in the industry long enough, you know there's periods of time when you're doing pure innovation, and there's periods of time when you're doing. Um, kind of, I don't want to call it cost cutting because I don't want to make this sound like AWS is trying to cut costs. But like, for example, we used to do this. I worked for Cisco as a hardware company. We would release the first uh, iteration of, of, a, of a version of hardware. And as that product would mature over time, we would go through and do um, kind of cost reduction versions of those boards. So there would be a 10-layer a motherboard would get reduced to an 8-layer motherboard to a 6-layer motherboard. And you could take cost out of the system. And I think them moving to Graviton on, especially for services under the covers where you shouldn't care what it is, um, you know, it's going to help them uh, increase profitability, right? So they know that they run a little faster. Um, they can write the code to make it work with those ARM chips. People don't necessarily have to care how RDS works as long as the API is there. Um, and it reduces their uh, their overall cost, improves their performance. It reduces their AC and cooling. And so, you know, there is certain things I think they they want to convey to people that the, you know, if they trust the Graviton chipset uh, themselves for the services, uh, you can trust it as well. But also, that's a way for them to to drive greater profitability for themselves. It allows them to enable themselves in new services. A couple other things that were sort of interesting, um, they did talk about um, some things like Wavelength, which is um, they're bringing cloud towards the edge. They talked about working with NASDAQ um, using Outposts. So, you know, it was very much um, him talking. He did mention hybrid cloud within the first 10 minutes, which is the earliest hybrid cloud's ever been mentioned in an AWS keynote. But it was really about talking about the cloud um, in the context of the cloud is anywhere, but it's always going to be AWS's cloud. And so it was interesting the way they were talking with NASDAQ about using sort of uh, sort of extensions of the AWS cloud out into cities where you're going to have these uh, NASDAQ locations. They're going to be using Outpost, which again, AWS sort of stack of hardware and software. So it's interesting for them to sort of start down that path. Um, they talked about um, really talking about doing mainframe migration. Again, in the first 30 minutes of the keynote, mainframe migration, very much a sort of a niche thing, but very much you know speaks to a certain number of customers that are big, oftentimes financial services shops, uh, credit card companies, banks, and so forth that rely on the mainframe, uh, still a number of other companies that rely on the mainframe, and trying to you know bring them into the fold, make them first-class citizens. So it was very interesting to sort of see him shift the focus from builders and web companies and purely greenfield innovation to pathfinders, um, which are, you know, not always leaders, right? Uh, but also, you know, very enterprise focused. 
A couple of other things they highlighted. Uh, one of them was very, very interesting, uh, called Private 5G. So, um, you know, this is this is a really interesting space. Essentially, it's anywhere that you have, um, you know, it's kind of blend, blending together this idea of you have a lot of devices that are going to be somewhere, not in your data center, not in the cloud. Um, maybe you could connect them through some sort of... Uh, you know, near field, uh, wireless radio type of thing, uh, uh, a, a fi or whatever, but really sort of kind of trying to highlight, uh, manufacturing plants, um, shipping docks and facilities, anywhere you're going to have lots and lots of devices that are transmitting data and they're going to begin offering what they call five private 5g. So this is something that is sort of a really interesting dichotomy because, um, obviously we all know about the telco carriers, whether it's a AT&T or Verizon or Orange or whoever around the world, uh, BT, um, that offers 5G as a cellular provider. But in kind of Wi-Fi replacement environments, there is spectrum for 5G that is kind of private. And so this is AWS getting into that private 5G thing. So very interesting. Uh, my guess is this felt like an announcement that Amazon, if you were to talk to Amazon, not AWS, is like, hey, we've been doing this with our uh, shipping facilities or uh, manufacturing warehouses for multiple years. We've kind of honed in on how to do it. <clears throat> it involves hardware and software. Uh, there's a data collection element to it. We've probably been doing this for a couple of years. I don't know for sure, but my guess is they've been doing it for a couple of years. Um, and they're now turning it into a, a commercial Amazon service. So that's always interesting to see, you know, kind of pick out the things in the keynote that were probably Amazon-driven services that AWS built for the mother company that they then realized, well, there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to want to have access to this sort of on-demand. So I thought that was really, really interesting. A um, couple of other things that were really interesting, they announced a number of their really high-profile uh, data services, so Kinesis and a couple of others. Um, they've been doing things for a long time now, talking about their data services becoming serverless. So um, obviously there's Lambda on the compute side, um, but more and more of their database services, so Aurora, some other things becoming serverless. Um, and then you know, this was them moving to things like uh, Kinesis, uh, MKS, um, EMR. And again, this is really about them going, hey, um, your data teams, uh, whether it's a database team or um, data science team or AI and ML teams, don't want to deal with infrastructure. And so the things that we've learned about how to make compute uh, serverless and databases serverless, we're going to bring that to some of these other um, you know, high-intensity, high-scalability data services. So that, that was, I think, a very, very important uh, announcement for them. Um, and then the last one was, you know, he kind of highlighted um, what's called IO, uh, IoT, it's called Twin Maker. So it's around digital twins. So the whole idea of the digital twin concept, we've talked about that on the, on the podcast in the past with folks like Simon Crosby and Swim AI. Uh, but, you know, how do you replicate or model uh, data collection agents, if you will, uh, and then be able to model those um, while data collection is going on and be able to do sensing and uh, uh, telemetry and other types of things for IoT types of devices. So, you know, he kind of covered the gambit, but it was very much uh, an enterprise sort of centric type of thing. Everything from, um, you know, the cloud towards edge, industrial edge. Um, you know, they never got into anything sort of crazy like metaverse and Web3 and any of those things. Um, this was very much, you know, him coming out and saying, hey, uh, we can be a trusted company for the enterprise. And so I thought that was very interesting. Um, the next thing I thought was very interesting in the way they structured their keynotes was, you know, there's been a lot of kind of talk and rumors. There's been a few people who have left AWS, uh, some high-level people. Um, obviously, a few of them have bumped themselves up, gone with Andy Jassy. Um, 
you know, those types of things. But a few people have left and there's been some, you know, talk about, hey, what's the leadership going to look like? I thought it was really interesting. They had like four days of keynotes. And I think um, it was probably very, uh, you know, instead of having just like the CEO and the CTO, they had like four days of keynotes. Um, so there was, you know, a big push around infrastructure. Um, and I think that was, you know, to allow and to showcase that, hey, there's still a broad bench here at AWS. And so I thought that was very, very important, probably very symbolic of what they were doing. Um, plus, it also allows them to, you know, have a day to talk to people who really care about the scale of infrastructure, the speed of networking and all those sort of things. And then obviously, um, you know, there was there was Werner's keynote and Werner's keynote was really interesting and unusual at the same time. Right. Um, on one hand, he came out with the normal sort of Werner bravado. What he didn't necessarily have was like all these sort of wow, crazy innovation things, which usually, you know, the CTO's keynote is, you know, wow, crazy innovation stuff, lots of demos, stuff that blows your mind. And they came out and they did the normal thing. They all talked about, you know, how big the scale of Amazon is and, and you know, kind of the history of, of how big AWS has gotten, all those sort of things. But he didn't make a whole lot of big announcements, right? This was another sort of, um, you know, change in the tone, change in the way that things were presented. Now, he did present um, a couple of interesting things. Um, they did present something called Manage WAN. So, you know, everybody who is connecting, uh, their on-prem environment through private links or uh, VPCs or whatever. Um, they're going to help manage those environments. So this obviously is going to have um, you know a big impact on all the networking companies that are trying to do these sort of WAN accelerator types of things and SASE. It's going to have some impact on the CDN types of companies. Um, he also announced, um, brought on stage um, some folks to talk about something called AWS Amplify, which was another um, <clears throat> sort of low-code uh, kind of platform. So you know. Amazon has had a few different instances of how to do low code. Uh, this was very much focused on how to um, help uh, build uh, front end types of development uh, for different people, try and simplify that, make it simple to integrate into back end services. So that was sort of interesting. Um, but those were, you know, those were kind of the, the big things that were in in Werner's announcement too. So not a lot, a lot of stuff in there. So it was interesting just between the two of them, kind of the different vibe. Um, I think they were, you know, beginning to set some foundations for a new set of customers they want to go after, uh, much more enterprise centric. I think they probably feel like, um, you know, the startups, the web scale companies already come to us. Um, not that, not that they don't care about them, not that they don't want them to continue to stay with them, but, um, we need to very much signal to the market. Uh, we want to embrace a broader set of customers. And in order to do that, we're going to have to, uh, make sure it's very important to them that we have, you know, things that they care about, maybe simplify the number of things that are talked about so we don't overwhelm them um, in terms of feeling like, oh my gosh, what do we got to do? Now, there was <laughs> there was a couple of interesting things that were said. One was really interesting to me um, was they were talking about their data services. Uh, Adam was talking about their data services. I've never heard Andy Jassy say this, but it was really interesting to hear Adam say this. And I don't know if it was just because you know, he's sort of new, um, but they were talking about all these different services. It was everything from like uh, in API gateways to ingestion services to data scrubbing to, um, you know, getting things into streams. And it was kind of everything around data pipelines. And he said, you know, a lot of times people ask us, you know, why do I need all these things? Do I need all of them? And he kind of said, yep, you need them all. And it was really interesting because it was one of the few times when uh, AWS kind of said, yeah, we're going to make a lot of things. And then they kind of get the, the reply back of, but that seems really complicated. Do I really need them all? And, and then coming back going, yes, you need them all. 
And the reason I say that is because oftentimes what they would have done in the past was they would have sort of acknowledged like, hey, we've given you a lot of things in the past, right? Uh, but what we're doing now and what we're going to acknowledge is that was too many. That was, you know, if you've given us the feedback that that's too many, we heard you, it was too many. We're now going to consolidate some things. And the example I always think about, you know, in this case is, is back when, um, the RDS Aurora came along, the, the database as a service Aurora came along. That was very much the context of it. It was, you know, you've told us you like RDS. You've told us then that you have to configure uh, networking and storage and disk space and uh, disk speed and backups and all this stuff. And so what we've done with Aurora and then subsequently with Aurora Serverless was we've simplified all that for you. And so I thought it was really interesting for them to just sort of go, yeah, we got a lot of services. And the reason I bring that story up was one of the other things that Werner brought up, which was really interesting, uh, again, kind of this weird acknowledgement uh, slash statement that they made was, you know, usually they throw up a slide that is, here's our thousands of customers. Well, in this case, Werner threw up a slide that was, here's our hundreds of services, and it was all the different AWS icons and so forth. Um, and there was, a, you kind of got this feeling that he was like, we're really proud of the fact that we built all these services. And then he kind of made a statement like, and the reason we have all these services is because you asked for them, right? You, you as the customers asked for them and you keep asking for all these things and we keep delivering them back to you. And it felt like, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it did feel like this sort of tipping point uh, or foreshadowing thing between the stuff I talked about at the beginning, which was Adam telling the press and telling people, hey, we've got to become sort of more moving up the stack. We've got to be more... Uh, industry specific, probably simpler to use and so forth, um, but not yet having all those things. And then probably looking at his team internally and going, the reason I have to talk about that stuff is because you have all these things. And I'm sure the internal AWS team came back and said, yeah, we listen to customers and we have all these things. And so there's probably a little bit of interesting internal tension going on between, uh, you know, Adam who had gone over, you know, was at AWS, went over to Tableau. Tableau became this, you know, sort of simpler, simpler, right? Simpler to use, very visual kind of data analysis tool, simpler for uh, data scientists to use or business analysts and so forth. And he sort of got and probably got himself uh, enamored with that sort of way of thinking about things, right? Like we can integrate a lot of things. We can make it simpler for people, right? You faster time to, um, to results as opposed to, you know, pure builder mentality of like, here's 20 tools, figure it out. And I'm, I, I got a sense between his keynote, his pre-show talks, and then the way that Werner kind of highlighted that, that probably there's a little bit of rethinking going on with AWS, which is the classic sort of like, do we keep servicing our existing customers because they love things that way? Uh, we have an engineering organization that's designed around those things. That's the way our whole self-service is built. And maybe some perception that the market is changing or that there's a secondary or tertiary set of demands that are different than the old builder mentality, the old, you know, every year we should announce 20 new services. And so that's something that I'm very much going to be keeping an eye on um, as we look at next year's thing and the new messaging that comes out of AWS. So those are just some of the things that, that really kind of jumped out at me. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I, I mean, there usually I'll sit there and I'll read through 
all the different announcements. Um, you're a really smart audience. Uh, I don't think you need me to read to you. I'm going to kind of wrap it up there. Um, you know, there are a number of, of interesting things that are in there. Um, there was a big theme about sustainability and about new tools to help you have a sense of what's going on uh, in your data center, how much you're spending. Could you be greener? I thought that was a very good thing. Um, there was a lot of focus around training, right? They talked about trying to train the next 30 million or 29 million engineers. Um, so very much looking towards the future, trying to figure out how can they be part of that journey for people. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, but in terms of the other stuff, you know, like it felt more like, yeah, there's a lot of tools, a lot of new features, a lot of stuff, but it almost felt like they recognized, you know, in the past, we announced a lot of new areas. This one didn't feel like they necessarily, aside from those, you know, five, six, seven kind of announcements I mentioned, they weren't breaking into new markets. They were really kind of refining, you know, the the, the capabilities, the, the what they did, um, what they have today, and how they're going to start kind of reshaping those, refocusing those, trying to make them simpler to use, more powerful for what people do today. So I'm going to kind of wrap it up with that. Um, it was a very, very interesting reInvent. Um, you know, we're still in a pandemic, so you know, you don't get to be there live and sometimes get the, the total vibe of what's going on. But, uh, you know, I think the feedback was, it's a transitionary year. It's a, it's a transition, um, in terms of leadership. It'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, you know, oftentimes, um, even though they're doing really well, once you transition from sort of the, the beginning part of the market, you cross the chasm. This might be the crossing the chasm moment for AWS, where they go from the early adopters to the really big mainstream market, and they may take off like crazy. I don't know for sure, but it kind of had a little bit of that vibe to it. Um, and then, oftentimes, you know, you get new leadership who's brought in, and their skill set fits that transition in the market. Right? There are certain leaders that are good for different parts of the market adoption curve, and so it'll be very interesting to see how Adam Salipsky does um, in terms of you know making this transition. Uh, Andy Jassy wasn't anywhere to be found. I'm sure that was done on purpose. Obviously, he's got a big job at Amazon. Um, Jeff Bezos usually never came to to reinvent either, but it was interesting. They just they didn't have any sort of you know sort of transition thing. There was no Andy handing the torch off. So again, a lot of symbolic things that go on. A lot of things that are probably done very much on purpose. Um, and so I tried to pick apart some of those things for you here, um, kind of give you a, a vibe for just the overall the way that things were presented. Um, you know, we can get into the details and happy to, uh, I, I put all these things in the show notes that you can definitely dive into for all of the, uh, the releases and so forth. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. Um, like I said, we're getting towards the end of the year, a couple more shows left, uh, interviews, a couple more Sunday perspectives and Aaron and I will be doing a uh, end of year wrap up here very, very soon. So thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for giving us a five-star rating in uh, all the places that you listen to your podcast. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 